have recognized that there is a wide range of people sitting in this room with different interactions with money. When I was in sixth grade, um, I had my first real interaction with money on a regular basis. My parents would give me money from time to time. Uh, I had a small allowance growing up and I got money for Christmas and birthdays and all that good stuff. But my first real interaction where I felt like, man, I was, I had some, some money came in the sixth grade. In the sixth grade, I went to the middle school. And at that time in the middle school, when you went to the cafeteria for lunch, you had to pay with cash. There were no cards, there was no student credit, you just had to walk up with your money and pay with cash. And so every day, my parents would give me, well, at the beginning of the week, they would give me $10. They would say, you have $2 a day for lunch. And I stepped into this wide world of cafeteria food where I could get pizza or hamburgers or french fries or whatever I wanted every single day. But there was one meal that I always went for. Every day I went for the exact same meal and it was called type A. Do you guys have the type A meal? You probably don't call it the same thing, but you'll understand what it is here in just a minute. You can step into the cafeteria and you can say, I want a slice of pizza or I want some french fries or I want a hamburger or a chicken sandwich, whatever you want. Or you can step up and you can say, I want the meal, which is usually like a sandwich and then like some peas or mashed potatoes and then some fruit. Uh, do you guys have this meal still or lunch? Yes, you have it in the cafeteria? No, okay. Well, when I went to school, there was this meal called type A. It was like the healthy meal, if you will. But I got this meal for two reasons. One, I recognized that I was really hungry. And while the food wasn't the greatest tasting food, the quantity of food that I could get for the type A would fill me up more than any other thing that I could get. And so me being the hungry middle school boy that I was, I went in and I said, I want the most food that I can get for the money. I want the type A meal every single day. So that's what I did every single day. The second reason that I got the type A meal every single day was that I went in with $2 and the type A meal was $1.80. And my parents told me, you can keep the change. And I don't know if you guys are tracking along with me, but that was 10 cents in my pocket, 20 cents in my pocket every day. Now, at the end of the week, I had a dollar to my name. You do that multiple weeks in a row, as a sixth grader, I had multiple dollars to my name. I felt on top of the world. 20 cents a day, I was rolling in money. Not really. I had very little money to my name, but it was some money. Now, here's why I tell you that. I recognize that some of you are sitting here as middle school students, and you're like, all right, so I get some money for Christmas or some money for a uh, birthday, and that's about all the money that I have. I feel you. I was there. I was in sixth grade, and I was getting 20 cents a day, which and again, my parents gave me money from time to time, but would take me very few places, even back in the 90s. And some of you are at the other end of the spectrum. You're in high school, you've got jobs, you, you're paying for your own gas, you're paying for your own insurance, and you are dealing with money on a regular basis. 
No matter where you fall in that spectrum, here's what I want to say to you. Please don't zone out. This month is for you. And I think it's really, really important that as middle school students and high school students, you start now dealing with money in the appropriate way. We start now dealing with money in the appropriate way. In the book of 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to this guy named Timothy. Now let's back up just for a minute. Paul was the guy that grew up as uh, one of the best Pharisees, an incredible Pharisee, and he was murdering Christians and capturing Christians and putting them in prison. He's the guy that Jesus showed up in a bright light and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul changed his ways and they changed his name to Paul and he started spreading the message of Jesus all over the known world. And he would go and he would start church after church after church after church. Timothy was a guy that he kind of brought alongside him to help lead the churches that they would start together. And so this book of 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. And Timothy was a young guy when this book was written, and Paul is just kind of helping him learn the ropes of how to lead churches, some of the best practices for leading churches. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul says a couple things about money. The first thing that Paul says is that if we love money, it can become a dangerous thing in our lives. First thing that he says is, listen, if, if money is what your heart is after, it can become a very dangerous thing and can cause you some pain and misery down the road in the future. Now, everybody, I'm not going to have you shut your eyes, but I want you to just think for a moment about your future. You don't have to shut your eyes. Just think for a moment about your, about your future. 15 years from now, what do you envision your life like? Let me set the stage for you a little bit. If you are currently in sixth grade, then 15 years from now, you will be 27 or 28 years old. If you are currently a senior in high school, 15 years from now, you will be 33 or 34 years old. Okay, so you're in your late 20s, your early 30s. What do you picture? What do you picture as your hobbies? Maybe you have solidified the things that you're good at and you've gone out and you've perfected your art and you are doing incredible things with your hobbies. What do you picture as your career, the thing that you're just chasing after and you're finding productivity and fulfillment in? What do you picture? Maybe you are getting ready to, to rent an apartment and you're apartment searching or you're getting ready to buy your first house. Maybe you have a, a special someone that you have met and you're getting ready to get married. Some of you may be ready to enter uh, that phase of your life where you bring a new child into the world and you're entering this stage of parenthood. What do you picture 15 years from now? Take about five seconds and just sit in the silence and think about that. 15 years from now.
two things come to mind, typically, when we think about our futures. The first thing we think about, if I'm guessing, these are very broad topics, but I'm guessing the first thing that we think about when we think about our futures is our dreams. We think about our careers and being successful in the things that we do and the things that we love to do. We think about our friendships and having a group of people around us that build us up and support us and love us. We think about uh, a future family and having a husband or wife that is loving and supportive. We think about maybe entering uh, children into the world and being a loving parent, a loving mother, a loving father. And we think about our hobbies and maybe right now in middle school and high school, we're just scratching the surface on the things that we love to do. And 15 years from now, we're thinking about how excellent we are going to be about those things. So often when we think about our future, we think about our dreams. And typically, what we don't think about in our future, when we think about all the dreams that we have for ourselves, the thing that we don't think about most is having money in the bank. The thing that we don't think about is, man, 15 years from now, I am going to have such and such such money in the bank. What is more important when we think about our future, the thing that our hearts go toward, the thing that our hearts yearn for and move toward are the things that bring us fulfillment. When you think about your future, your heart chases after relationships. Your heart chases after being productive. Your heart chases after um, the things that you love to do and being successful at your hobbies and your interests. Typically, when we think about our futures 15 years from now, we don't think, man, I just got to get more and more money. Now, a second thing becomes apparent when we think about our futures. In our futures, we have to have some money. It's just a necessary part of life. We have all these dreams, we have all these aspirations, we have these things we want to do. The truth of the matter is, is that it is going to take some money to accomplish those things that we want to accomplish. It just is. You want to be successful at your career? You have to have money to put gas in your car to make it to your job. You want to be successful at your hobbies? You have to have money to be able to buy the things that you enjoy doing that are going to help you be successful in your hobbies. If you want to start a family, you are going to have to have money in order to support that family. You're going to have to have money to rent an apartment or buy a house. Money is a necessary thing. And here's where this verse, I think, becomes really, really important. Paul doesn't say having money is bad. For Paul, it's all about the heart, the love of money leads to evil. When you think about your future, your heart goes toward the things that you love. And what can happen, and I don't think this happens intentionally, 
But what can happen is along the way toward our 15-year future self that we are envisioning, the money that was necessary suddenly becomes the thing that our heart longs for. And when that happens, you'll notice that your heart starts to your heart longing for money starts to step in the way of the things you dreamed about. The perfect example of this is from Disney's A Christmas Carol. Have any of you seen Disney's A Christmas Carol? Or at least A Christmas Carol in general, Muppets, Mickey Mouse, you know the story, Tiny Tim, God bless us everyone, all that good stuff. So I, I had seen A Christmas Carol occasionally from time to time in my childhood. I think I saw the Mickey Mouse version once. I think I saw part of the Muppet version, but I'd never read the book until uh, not this Christmas, but the Christmas before. And I'd never seen the uh, Disney, like the new Disney version, until not this Christmas, but the Christmas before. And here's what blew my mind, is that I had no idea in A Christmas Carol that Ebenezer Scrooge was once engaged. Mind blown. I thought, there is no way that Ebenezer Scrooge had someone that he loved and that he was engaged to. And there's this incredible moment in both the book and in the Disney movie, and I don't remember the Mickey Mouse or the Muppet version well enough to remember if this is in there or not. But there's this incredible moment where Belle, his wife-to-be, sits him down and says, we can't do this. Your heart doesn't belong to me anymore. Your heart belongs to something else. And you see this moment where he's having this battle within him, like he wants his heart to belong to Belle, but really his heart belongs to his money. And in, at least in this newer Disney version, like he just breaks down and he's like, no, I'm done. I've got to get out of here. Ghost of Christmas past. Take me away. I'm done. I can't handle this anymore. And you can see in this moment that when his heart started chasing the money, it got in the way of what his heart was really after. And it brought all kinds of pain and sorrow and grief. As you guys think about your future selves, recognize this. Money is going to be necessary. It just is. It's a part of life. But don't let your heart lose what you have for your future. Don't let it get so caught up chasing money that you're so busy chasing money, you can't enjoy the things that you're chasing the money for. I've talked to to lots of people. Well, I won't say lots of people, but I've talked to some people who have had these conversations with me where they're like, CJ, Dude, I, I work and I work and I work and I work and I, I want all this money. And the truth of the matter is I'm making this money, but I work so hard. I don't have any time to even enjoy it. Don't let your heart chase the money so much that it gets in the way of what your heart really desires. Because it can destroy your dreams for your future. It can destroy your relationship with God. 
Paul clarifies this a little bit more. He takes it even one step further as he talks in 1 Timothy, uh, following up in 6, I think we jump to verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, be generous, be willing to share. And in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I love what Paul says here. You'll notice what he doesn't say. If you have money, you're evil. I can remember vividly multiple times in middle school and high school, I would go to a conference or I would be at a retreat and I would sit around in a group of people. Sometimes it was a group of students that were from my youth group. Sometimes it was like a group of students that the conference just kind of all threw together with one random adult leader. And we would sit in this group of students and the leader would look at the group of students and they would start pointing to people and be like, dude, those are not shoes. How much were those shoes? And the student would be like, oh, they were $100. And they would point to someone's shirt and be like, hey, that's a nice shirt. How much is that shirt? And the student would say, you know, like 45 bucks or whatever. And then the leader would go on to, to say, yeah, you know, people in third world countries, they may look like a dollar a day. So, you know, it would take them half a year, a whole year to make what you paid for those shoes. And, and it was just in the, in the 90s, this topic of money was just a complete guilt factory. It was like, dude, if you're rich, then you're just not living the life that Jesus called you to live. Here's the truth. We are blessed to be in America. That does not make us evil. That does not make us bad. It's not about how much money we have. Look at what Paul says here. He doesn't say command those who are rich to give everything away. He doesn't say command those who are rich to stop their jobs and stop making money and suddenly become poor. No, he says command those who are rich not to be arrogant. Because God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Listen. Here is the, the greatest mystery that I have about money. I have no idea why I was blessed to be born in the United States of America and why someone else was born in another country. I have no idea why I have a roof over my head and other people don't. But I know that God has blessed me with that and God has blessed you with that. And we don't have to feel bad for that. We can be thankful and joyous. God gave us this stuff for our enjoyment. And so the question becomes not, how do I give up all my money so that I can be poor and relate to other people? The question becomes, how do I properly interact with the money that God has given me? It's not about saying, man, these shoes were $120. I probably shouldn't have spent $120 when that would take someone four months to make that much money. No, it's, it's, it's more a question of, all right, how do I properly interact with the money that God has given me? And Paul gives some really, really practical ways that we can do that. We can be humble not be arrogant. 
We can do good deeds for others. We can do good deeds with our money for others. We can do good deeds with our words for others. We can be kind and loving toward other people. We can be generous. We can be willing to share. You see, it's not about sacrificing everything we have and making these huge monumentous steps to say, look at me, I'm giving up all of my money. No, it's just about saying, all right, God gave me this, all right, how can I use it to bless others? Yeah, I'm going to make sure that I have food, I'm going to make sure that I'm clothed, I'm going to make sure that I have shelter and that I can get to my place of work and whatever that, all of that entails for me, awesome. How can I bless others? It's not so much about the money itself or having money being evil. It's how our hearts interact with the money that we have. Paul is, is really clear here. He says there's a few things that we can do. Two quick, appropriate ways that we can interact with our money. One, intentionally put your hope in God and not in money. Intentionally put your hope in God and not in money. We can get so, so busy chasing money to make sure that we are secure, that we forget that security can be found in God in spite of our money. That doesn't mean everything is going to go our way. That doesn't mean our lives are going to be easy. That doesn't even mean necessarily that we will make it to tomorrow. But our hope can be in something greater than the money in our pocket. Second thing is Do good intentionally. Do good deeds. Be generous. If we want to interact with our money, if we want to keep ourselves from our heart chasing money so that it gets in the way of our future, we've got to put our hope in God and we've got to be loving others along the way. That is like a life goal. If we could spend the rest of our lives putting our hope in God and loving him and loving others along the way, everything else that comes toward us, all the money that comes our way, all the troubles that comes our way, all of the difficulties, all of the blessings, all of that stuff, if we, no matter what happens to us, if we can put our hope in God and love him and we can love others along the way, that's the life we're called to live. So this week, guys, I I want you to think about your future. You guys have some incredible hopes. You have some incredible dreams. Money is going to be necessary along the way. How can you begin now intentionally interacting with the money that you have currently in an appropriate way? And so I've got a practical challenge for you, really easy, just one step. This is not about huge leaps. It's just about taking a step in the right direction. And my practical challenge for you this week is simply this. This week, 
take a dollar, take 50 cents, take $2. It doesn't matter what it is, but take some of your money and go buy something for someone just to encourage them. Just say, hey, just wanted to encourage you. Don't be like, hey, this is for Jesus. Just, hey man, just hope you have a great day today. Just thought this might brighten your day. That's all it has to be. And in that, your heart is suddenly looking for ways to bless others. You are a loving God. God is working through you, and you are being generous toward others. It's a very simple, just one simple step this week. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for all the blessings that you've given us.